Hey guys, this is John with Carrot Customs. Uh, welcome to the OBS Truckery Podcast. I am here with our other host, Devin. That's me. Uh, yeah, I'm Devin. Is, that that, that's your Devin. okay. I'm Devin with OBS Solutions. Thanks so much for everyone for uh, hanging out and listening along as we go with this OBS Truckery Podcast. Uh, John, what what are we going to talk about this morning? Well, today is kind of a fun one. We reached out to uh, Nick Eisenhower, who is a, uh, he drives a 6100 series desert truck, uh, super, super cool OBS Ford single cab, uh, full-blown race truck. And so we are going to, uh, well, we had an interview with him that you guys are going to hear coming up. It was super good. You know, Devin and I are not, um, we don't, Uh, we don't race. No, we don't race off-road trucks. I'd like to. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we, maybe we should. I think we should. Yes. And, and talking with Nick, you know, he makes it, well, he actually doesn't make it sound that easy (laughs) because I'm sure it's not. It's Um, like a pain in the ass a lot of times, but the amount, I feel like we learned a lot. Uh, and, and Nick's just a super rad dude. And it just makes me want to. It makes me want to build a desert truck. Well, what's interesting is when I first uh, uh, saw Nick on Instagram, I shared it to John. I'm like, dude, you get check out this guy's truck. Cause it's a, it's like a '95, like John had said, F-150 body on it. And then um, we had contacted him to get some info from him about this interview, and he told us like he and his brother are still running. Now his brother has a different class truck, but it's like even it's really cool too. It's like a '70s bump side. Um, F100 F, uh, truck, different class, but Nick's is uh, tube chassis except for the cab, which I will, I forgot to ask him about that. Like, how do you go about like making that work? But it's a tube chassis still running a steel cab though. He says he's like the last of the Mohicans doing that. Everybody else is going fiberglass uh-huh, body. Exactly. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I forgot to ask him that. You know, we, our internet was a little sketchy out here um, in John's shop here, so I, I apologize, everyone, for the uh, if it gets a little sketchy, it blips out here and there. But we did our best with what we had here. So yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did, and uh, I'm sure we'll have Nick on again at some point. Oh, we'd uh, have to. We'd have to. We, he 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 was saying he's going to come to the truck show, but then I guess they have a race that same weekend. So hopefully next year, uh, our truck show date in August will be a little bit different. Um, there's a bunch of guys down south that uh, are we're still hoping they'll make it. So um, hopefully we get to see those guys. But yeah, so follow along, listen to this interview, uh, check it out, and uh, we'll get back to you after the interview. All right. So, uh, obviously, my name's Devin. You and I met over the phone. So, and your last name, Eisenhower, right? Correct. Just like the president, spelled completely different, and I don't get any money from it, so it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm John. Uh, nice to meet you, finally. Yeah. Um, Are you wearing a Firehouse Fab t-shirt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Grant's, yeah. Grant's yeah. the dude, for sure. He, he, uh, him and my brother work together at Burbank. Oh, cool. That's super rad. Nice, or, nice, nice. I guess now he's at LA County, but mm-hmm. he used to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, Grant's a cool dude. We definitely, uh, you know, when he was doing all a lot more off-road stuff, we definitely crossed paths a lot. And, you know, I was, like, supporting everything he does. He makes such cool little trinkets. and Yeah. 
Uh-oh. Can you hear us now? <laughs> Is it the internet? No. I think I need to quit something here. Damn it. I, I thought I had this all figured out, Devin. No stress, bud. Don't worry about it. Let's see. Oh, here we go. This will take one second, of course. Speaker. Speaker. There we go. Back, back to it. We're back okay. in business. We're back we're in back. business. Well, uh, we're not going to use the headsets, right? We're no. Just gonna, but we're, we're going to go on natural. Screw it. Gonna like it. And hope that I like it. it works. So, uh, Nick. Obviously, yeah. we follow you guys on uh, Instagram. Thank God for Instagram mm -hmm. and social media, right? Because without right. that, we wouldn't have anything to do. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, following your guys' page, first of all, when I first stumbled upon, you know, there's a lot of off-road stuff, especially in your area. But, like, your stuff was, like, I saw it. I'm like, dude, first thing, the guy's got a killer mustache. He fucking, like, yeah. you tell, you tell like, fucking, like, a character kind of guy. I'm like, we got to talk to this guy. And so, yeah. that's kind of how we, uh, how we, like, came up with, like, hey, we got to talk about Nick's truck. It looks like and you had said to us that it was a steel cab, all tube mm -hmm. chassis, and I don't know that world that that well. So I will kind of want to yep. go over that with you. But um, yeah. to start off with, uh, give us a little in intro on like how did you get started? You know, like what 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 was your background? Just a kid out in the dirt or what? Yeah, for the most part. So growing up as like little kids, we always had motorcycles, and we'd go to the desert and rip around and little rippers and. Uh, you know, we raced a little bit of District 37 desert racing on bikes. And then, uh, you know, as we started getting older and like kind of realizing like, you know, getting hurt kind of sucked. Like when we were like <laughs> 16, 17, we're like, ah, you know, first there's like no real future in what we're doing. And it's also starting to hurt really bad when we fall off the bikes. Maybe we'll look into some different avenues. And uh, it just, you know, as I said, like growing up as a kid, we always like in the garage and in the shop, my dad always had like hot rods or little projects or whatever. And, and uh, my dad used to race off road before we were born and it was always like these stories you know like oh you know back in the day we used to do this race and that race and my brother and i always really like looked up to that we're like, are you there nick oh Falled into a race car okay and uh and then, you know, as it started getting bigger and bigger, and then we were kind of done riding motorcycles, we're like, hey, maybe let's, uh, you know, maybe go race this thing. And so we started racing that. And our very first race was 2007. And then we just kind of like, we're kind of the guys, like when, when we start something, we like to see it through to the finish. Okay. And this hasn't like quite finished yet. So we just kind of keep progressing and progressing and progressing. And uh, I, don't, I have no idea where this racing stuff's going to take us, but we just keep riding. Like I keep telling everybody, we just ride the wave until it flattens out and, the wave seal seems to be peaking pretty high, so we're still ripping. So that's rad. Um, but yeah, you know, just like everybody else, it all starts. You know, your dad's building cool shit in the garage, and you just kind of follow suit and do the same thing. Very cool. So your your yeah. family obviously, your dad obviously taught you how to weld and fabricate. Then is that kind of how it got you going um, in that scene? Yeah, just like putting stuff together. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. You know, my dad gave us the tools we needed, like literally the tools we needed. Like he had, you know, all the welders and all the grinders and all the hand tools and everything you'd ever dream of. And, you know, I really appreciate he always like, you know, it was open garage policy for not just my brother and I, but for like anybody in the neighborhood, like all the neighborhood kids, like if they needed something worked on or like, you know, their handlebars cut down on their BMX bikes, like my dad was the go-to dude. And so it was always like, 
our garage wasn't just like my dad, brother and I, it was like the whole neighborhood, the whole town, like anybody want like, Oh, my pickup truck needs an oil change. Ah, come on over, do it at the garage, you know? That's so, uh, that's, that's, that's badass. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like that open door policy really like, I don't know. It showed me a lot, you know, it taught me tons and like, Hey, that's like a real cool way to do stuff and, you know, be a good person, not just build cool stuff, I guess. Right. So, that's huge. That's yeah. uh that's, that's really oh, yeah. fun. Where, uh, whereabouts do you live? Uh, so, uh, I grew up mainly in Claremont, so like San Diego, yeah, but in yeah. Claremont, I went to Claremont high school. And then the last like five, I guess six years, we've lived out here in El Cajon, so more East County. And that's okay. where the shop's that at near, and all that stuff now. Is that near Marietta? Uh, no. So Marietta's North. Okay. So we're more like Southeast. Gotcha. Very yeah. cool. Well, uh, we're going to kind of dive into the off-road truck scene because we know zero about that world. And you obviously are balls deep in it. So our biggest question, I mean, like, you know, uh, putting these trucks together, I mean, like, obviously you didn't just start with a tube chassis. You obviously started with like, hey, we kind of built this truck up, like you said, and then you kind of worked from there. Knowing everything you know now, what's the, what's like, if you say, hey, Devin, we're going to put together a truck. How do you start that process? Do you say, Hey, and obviously you have a steel cab F-150. I guess we need to back yeah. up and tell people that this is an all steel cab F-150, but that other than that, that's it. Is that kind of what you guys go off of or what's the game plan when you go to put a truck together? So there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. So if this is going to be like your first build and the first thing you're ever going to do, I definitely suggest starting like with a truck, something that runs and drives yeah, and then right. just kind of progress from there. And then I, I, one thing I always tell people too, like when you're starting to get into this, like have a plan and like have like a finish line, like know what you want to do okay. because you don't want to do the project three or four times. Like you don't want to get into like, oh, I just want to build something mellow and then build it mellow and then like have it like really keep snowballing because then you're just going to keep cutting stuff off and cutting stuff off. And so like, you know, if you want to build a race car, build a race car, you know, start get frame rails in a cab cause, and then go from there. If you want like a fun pre-runner, then yeah, buy something that runs and drives and kind of just upgrade it and progress it as you go. For us, knowing what we were getting into, like like our new truck, the F-150, we knew we wanted to race 6100, which is like the sealed engine spec motor class. Okay. So we knew like no point in buying a truck. We literally bought a junkyard cab. Uh, we had the tube chassis built by our friends over at Everson, Everson Performance. And oh, I've uh, seen their know, stuff. Three. Oh, great. I should what? It broke down <laughs> internet here. Well, there we go. Go ahead. You're back. You there? It's a uh, real technical difficulties. Yeah, almost. You guys there? This thing's getting yeah, glitchy. Yeah. It's it's good, dude. I don't know if it's okay. our internet here or what. We're uh, out a little bit of the sticks. Sorry, man. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. So anyway, you're saying about you, you got a chassis, you, you had a chassis built for it. Oh, dude, really? That sucks. Let's see what I can do. It's got to be the Wi-Fi, right? It, I don't know what it is right now. Maybe. <sighs> Let me try hotspotting through my phone real quick. Uh, no worries. That might be. I think yeah, we're doing yeah. the same here. Yeah, that might be the best way. It's, um, it's like, 
We can look at Instagram or Facebook all day long, but when it comes to something serious that we need to do, here we go. Right? Isn't that the worst? Isn't such a pain? It's, well, Leave it yeah. to the end. John's got this rad place outside of Bend, Oregon here, and so it's uh, we're a little bit out, but not too far, but it does give us Yeah, fickle. we don't have, like, super great internet. It's, so, uh, sorry, everyone that's listening for this. We're at technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm not like a. I, I'm, I've never done a, like a recording studio. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah I think we're good. good. That's good. Let's try that. Uh, that, might, that might have been me. Oh, I think, uh, back the commercial. <laughs> commercial that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us back here after these technical gonna, difficulties. Exactly. Bunch of car dudes trying to figure out computers. <laughs> uh, so anyway, you're, we were talking about your chassis and the chassis, like you're yeah. getting a chassis built for what you're doing. So go ahead. Mm -hmm, exactly. And yeah, so like, like with that thing, like we knew what we wanted to get into. So we knew like, you know, we needed to build a tube chassis to be competitive in the class. Like unfortunately we had outgrown the like garage built class of racing. Okay. And uh, I just had a conversation last night with a family member about that. They're like, hey, you know, like, are you guys at the point now to where it's almost more stressful than it is fun with your <laughs> racing? And, like, I, I looked at my brother and I was like, you know what? We may have already, we may have passed that point to where it's like <laughs> we were having so much fun with 1400, which was like the, the sportsman class of racing. Okay. And, you know, when you're in that, you're in that zone, you're not, you know, you're never paying attention to how much fun you're having when you're having fun. You're always just like, oh, what's next? What's next? Right. And so we moved up to what's next. Now we're like, ah, shit. Like we were really having a good time back then. Like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. It's too late now. We're committed. We got to follow this one through. And so now here we are, you know, we're like, we're the little fish in the big pond for sure with this new truck and this new class. But I don't know. We've, we've always, we've never given up on anything ever. Like whether it's a good thing or bad thing, it's just our stubbornness. So we're going to just keep on our heads down and seeing what happens. So that's bad. It's that's definitely something else. That's really awesome. Yeah. So is that like, is that your full-time gig? Is that what you get paid to do or do you have something else as well? No, I wish. Um, no, my normal, so we all have normal jobs. My nine to five, I work in the engineering department at uh, Four Wheel Parts. Okay. So I develop like all the lift kits, the aftermarket suspension stuff for the trucks and Jeeps. So cool. I, you know, yeah, design lift kits and all that stuff, nine to five or six to three thirty pick my kids up, hang out with them till they go to bed. And then we work in the shop till midnight, one o'clock. So, wow. That's almost every day type of thing. Every single day. Yeah. Monday through Friday is that schedule and Saturdays and Sundays we're in the shop all day. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's busy. Awesome. That's it. That is busy. Yeah, so right. he, my, my brother's a diesel mechanic. He works for Inland Kenworth and my dad's just a truck driver. So we're oh, all just yeah. busy dudes. <laughs> So is your dad still involved with the racing scene? Does he help your brother and you out? Or mm -hmm. does he go to the races and all yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's like, we call him like the car chief, basically. So we take him away from like a lot of the responsibilities because he gets real stressed out and gets all fired up. And okay. it's not like, hey, you know, you're in charge of the car at the track. Like just, you know, you make the decisions when we're in the race car. But like, let the pit guys do their job. They know what they're doing. Like, let them be. But yeah, no, he's in the shop with us every night. Um, he usually works till about 8 o'clock or so, 8 or 9. Uh, he, the poor guy, he, he's, how is he, like 56? I don't know how old he is, but um, he's getting older. Yeah, but he, uh, poor guy, he uh, uh, he wakes up at like 2.30 every morning to go drive a truck. And it's just kind of like, oh, man. So like he, 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 he tags out at like 8 o'clock and he's done. So uh -huh. So uh, your brother then, he also has, is his, he also has a truck too, but is it in the same class as well? Because it's like a, no, it so my brother, 
Yeah, my, my brother still fits in the sportsman class. Okay. Um, yeah, because he still has frame rails underneath the cab of the truck. He literally, we measured out, it's 54 inches of frame left. Nice. And his truck's been grandfathered in since all the rule changes in the sportsman okay. class. So he still fits the like the 1400 sportsman class. But um, his truck, if you put us in a desert race, his truck's actually faster than mine. He's got really? a, uh, yeah, he's got a 418 cubic inch um, Maruzi built like LS engine. And it's, it, the thing makes like 420 or 430 wheel horsepower. Wow. The thing's nasty. That's awesome. Which so I on know, that like, note, oh, I was going to ask you yeah. on that note, yeah. uh, talking about engines. So I love our listeners are going to like want to crucify us, but we, we give zero Fs for what, what we put under the hood of these rigs that we love. Um, what is the LS is obviously the go-to because they're like yep. easy to get parts are cheaper, that kind of stuff, obviously. Oh yeah. Is anyone running Ford powered engines, like, like Ford stuff? There are a couple diehard guys that do run Fords. Uh-huh. And uh, we did it for years, you know, like we chased horsepower for, I don't know, maybe 10 years of off-road racing. And we found ourselves spending twice as much as everybody else to get less horsepower. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's just a different ballpark. Like we all know, like we've all seen it. We've all dealt with these LS engines. Like you can put pennies into these things and make such good, reliable horsepower. And yeah. for us with desert racing, like, we put them through so much shit. Like you're just on the rev chip everywhere you go, sucking sand, just hot all the time. And they just keep going. Like wow. we've went through so many Ford engines when we were younger. And it's just, we know like we've written that off. Like Ford engines are for hot rods, Ford engines are for cruisers. They're absolutely not for desert racing trucks. Unless, you know, you're really willing to spend like the big money and have like, like some of the big engine builders, like a Croyer or a Dugans uh-huh. or a Patton, like a big trophy truck engine built right. that's Ford based. But that's, you know, that's, you know, you're spending damn near $150,000, $160,000 on an engine package. And that's, that's out of our realms. So. Right. right. Just to have a, a Ford badged engine in a Ford truck doesn't seem to make much sense to me, but. Yeah. No, I mean, we all wish like, like I, we wish that like Ford had an engine. Like we have hopes for that new 7.3. I, I don't know what they're calling it. I know they got like a goofy name, like Godzilla right. or something like that. But yeah, like apparently that 7.3, it's like physically the size of an LS engine. And so we're hoping that maybe that could be something that'll be cool, but it's a pretty big cubic inch. So I don't know if it'll fit in any of the classes that we race in right now. So uh, the the engine stuff, so you're like usually 6.0 LS is what you're usually going after then for that stuff? You're not? Yeah, yeah, my brother, my brother's is an iron block six liter. So like an LQ9 or whatever Uh based on that. And then it's like a 418, like, no, a board stroke and then my truck so in the class we race you have to use a sealed engine from like gm performance so you buy oh, the explain what that means yeah it's it's kind of a bummer like we built this really rad truck that hauls ass and everything but then the engine like doesn't make any power but like so, for the for the rules is what we have to do so for our listeners explain a sealed engine so we buy you have to buy it from a specific supplier so we buy it from turnkey engines or wherever it is up there in oceanside and uh they get the engine from gm performance and what they do is they change the uh oil pump they can spin the intake around and i think that's it that's all you're allowed to do wow and then they literally will tag the valve covers so they'll have like it's just like like a, like a steel braided wire with like a glue tag like okay. a plastic tag so you can't break it so you have that on the valve covers, on the oil pan, and I think on the timing cover too, there's tags. And then like, there's also like little round tags with like number stamps in them. 
so you can't tamper with the engine. So and that's just in 6100 class, which is where we race the F-150. Um, so all the engines are exactly the same. The ECMs are open for tuning. You can do whatever you want, but there's only so much you can do. So literally the class is uh, sealed engine. Everything else is unlimited. Well, you have to have a, a, a three, three forward driving geared transmission. So basically a turbo 400 is all anybody runs. Okay. And then your splitters or anything like that. Um, you're allowed to run an underdrive behind the trans, which most guys do. And then a standard, just like a 10 inch ring and pinion in the back. Um, but then everything else is unlimited. So like my truck, I run an eight into one, like a rotary fire collector for the exhaust. Okay. Just the sound kind of sounds cooler than most of the other trucks. And then also maybe hoping that, you know, like with the rotary fire, the way that it fires in the circle, like we're hoping that maybe it'll scavenge a little bit more horsepower out of it, which okay. we've kind of proved it doesn't like <laughs> most of the trucks. <laughs> It was a ton of work and a mega headache. It makes the truck super hot inside. Sounds rad. Doesn't make any more horsepower. So kind of, I don't know, whatever. Not not useless. It, we're pumped on it. But um, but yeah, no, it, it we were hoping it would make a little bit more power on the top end. But most of these trucks make between 355 and 370 wheel horsepower. And we are at 365, just like everybody else. So... So it keeps the class it keeps the class equal and and lets mm-hmm. everyone kind of like skill set do the job maybe a little tinkering here and there or suspension and stuff like that obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, suspension's unlimited and that that's where you that's where you win in the class. Mm-hmm. Is in like all your shock tunings and your suspension setup and then your like your engine tune, like your ECM tune just to keep the thing at peak power all day long. And okay. then a lot of it's like in your torque converter and your gear ratio setups and all that stuff. So So it's, before we talk suspension stuff, because we just did a show uh, last week with Eric from Sky, who's a big uh, nerd when it comes to suspension stuff, on yeah. on your on the transmission. So you guys use turbo four hundreds, obviously, you know, build the hell out of them to take the abuse. Or what's the weak link there when it comes to your your to the transmission? You know, so knock on wood, the turbo four hundreds are pretty tried and true. Not a lot of issues. Okay. Um, we all. Most 90% of the guys in the class run like a reed case turbo 400. So it's the aftermarket like machine case. Um, all uh, 300M like billet internals, like all badass inside stuff. Uh, we all run like different gear ratios, whether it's like a 195 final drive or a 210. So it's like a, like a close ratio turbo 400. Okay. Um, but yeah, tr- luckily, like in the past, I don't know, 10 years maybe, uh, there's like, like three main companies. There's Steve Colhane. Uh, there's Rancho and there's Croyer that make these turbo 400s and those three guys have it figured out like nobody Nobody really has transmission failures anymore unless like it's a driver error or like a fluke issue or what right. have you Yeah, 90% of the time like transmissions are 100% fine. You just you, you know, you service them regularly you time them out with mileage and you get them serviced uh-huh. but other than that those things are knocking wood bulletproof so so can how how many how many like do you get like a year out of a transmission or an engine or what is there a time frame? Obviously, it depends on driving habits and the conditions. But yeah. it, like rule of thumb is like at least in moto, it's like okay, new bike time every year. You know, depending on yeah. how hard we're riding. But when it comes to mm-hmm. your guys' desert scene stuff, how does that work? I mean, and obviously it depends on how many races per year. I imagine like situations. But yeah. is there a good rule of thumb for you guys? Uh, yeah. So like every, every prep guy does it differently. Um, I don't know, like they, they were, you used to say engines. So with these sealed LS threes, they would do 1500 miles and they would pull them out and then just put a new one in. 
But then the last couple, like the, earlier this year, a lot of these guys are starting to buy up those 1500 mile motors because they were looser and they were actually making a little bit more power. Hmm. So now these guys are leaving the engines in a little bit longer with the fingers crossed, hoping that they'll just stay alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Transmissions are kind of in the same boat. My brother and I usually don't like to go more than two races on a transmission service. Okay. Um, so that'll be anywhere between, between testing, pre-running, racing. Uh, you're looking at just under a thousand miles and we'll pull the trans out and have it gone through just okay. as a safety thing, just to have, you know, as a precaution. Um, and same thing with rear gears. It's just, it's such like a, in the grand scheme of things, like the $1,300 service on the transmission really isn't that much compared to what you're putting into an entire weekend's race. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to go run this whole race and you prep this whole truck and you get all these guys out here, but you pinched your pennies on that trans service and something goes wrong with it. It's like you just threw away all that money and all that effort and all that work because you didn't want to do that. And that's, it's a really, really vicious cycle because, you know, when we were kids, it was, you know, fuel filters and heim joints and bolts you did that with. And now we're like, okay, you know, and that, those were nickel and dime parts. Now we're talking, you know, we're doing that with $1,500 transmission services and, you know, $700 rear gear services, which adds up, but you don't want to be sitting there sidelined and kicking yourself like, ah, oh, I should have spent a thousand bucks and had this done, you know, but <laughs> It's kind yeah. of tough. Like I said, everybody's different. Some guys, some guys are wild, dude. Some guys will run their trans all season long and just never think about it. And they have never have issues, but I can't. Do that. <laughs> that, that sounds like John, when he goes to, when he goes to just grab a truck from somewhere, just hops in something without knowing, just drives it. Doesn't care. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fun, but I, I wouldn't do that with that much money on the line. You know, I, yeah. I like the idea of that would be me. I, I wouldn't want to have, an entire weekend of racing, you know, be completely worthless because I didn't do the transmission or something along those lines, you know, yeah. like that, that sounds, that would be rough. Exactly. And that's, you know, and that's like, we were talking, like, it's kind of at that level now where that's where we have to do everything. Back when we were racing sportsman stuff, it was fun. You know, we would just rip around. It's like, ah, truck's half prep. That was like part of the fun. You know, you get to the track, you work on it. You go out there and rip around. If something breaks, it doesn't matter. You're just going to drink beers after the race anyways. But now with like so much on the line and like we're here in like this professional series of racing, we're like, ah, like we don't want to be like, we're already like the underdogs of sorts. So we got to make sure we do everything we can to not like, you know, like, they have all these expectations of us like oh these guys aren't gonna do it they'll never finish like oh, all right watch this we're finishing everything we don't want to like add fuel to their fire you know we want to make sure we at least pull off the finishes so um so, yeah we definitely yeah. oh good go ahead sorry to interrupt you no you're good uh I, I guess our listeners probably don't know this or maybe they do your guys's trucks are all two-wheel drive right that's i mean correct like, yeah everything's two-wheel drive in that class there's no four-wheel drive stuff in in the classes you guys run right no, yeah. So in the um, sportsman class, which my brother races in, it's all two-wheel drive trucks. And then in 6100, it's all two-wheel drive. Okay. Um, it's not up until the last couple of years that the all-wheel drive trophy trucks have come about. Um, Geyser Brothers builds one. Mason builds one. Um, that's all. I, those are the two big ones right now. And those trucks, like just now, the Baja 500 was yesterday. And the top like four guys were all four-wheel drive trophy trucks. And they wow. were like way 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 ahead of the two-wheel drive guys really wow yeah for a long time no. no it's an it's ifs so it's okay. got a big diff um and mason has it all figured out mason motorsports is insane like they manufacture 100 percent of it in-house everything but the engine tranny and rear axle 
everything else they machine in house and build all this stuff and it's all you know clutched out and all this crazy stuff um and it's insane you know they're building they were all those trucks have big blocks in them they're all over a thousand horsepower it's it's the next level of desert racing it's 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 i have no idea it's insane well, that's impressive. That is impressive. So that being said, moving on. So tell me about, fill us in on how you, the suspension world is obviously the biggest game changer in, in a truck in your world, right? I mean, like that, at least looking from the outside in, I always go look at these guys, like that's that's the, besides the engine and transmission, the suspension would probably be even more important. And so how, how do you like, how that, how's that evolve for you guys? How to go from like, Hey, we're like garage stuff to, Oh, now we're doing Kings with coilovers and bypasses. I mean, and, and, and then how'd you learn your tuning? It's just by trial and error. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, we started off, um, tried and true twin I beam suspension on, uh, our F 100. You know, we literally used Kingpin F 100 I beams for okay. years um, on my, the truck my brother races now the truck we originally built. And then, um, even on, I had built a Ford Ranger a couple of years back too. And that was in the same thing, Kingpin F100 beams. And that's pretty much the staple for like affordable, like front suspension for these trucks is doing a Kingpin I-beam. Nowadays, okay. things are getting a little crazy. Making like billet beam ends with like bigger Kingpins or they'll move to like a uniball and a rod end in the same configuration. But, um, but yeah, no, starting there. And then, yeah, it's just, you go out there and you drive the car talking like suspension tuning and shocks and all that stuff. Um, it's just the more and more you do it, the more you change things, you realize, Oh, that worked. That didn't work. You know, you're changing like valve stacks and valve shims and, and you're changing spring rates and you're doing all that. And, uh, there were, there were two people really influential in us learning our cars and it was sunny at down South motorsports. And then our buddy Keith Marigold, when we were kids, uh, Sonny owned a shop, just rebuilding shocks and servicing off-road shocks. And he took a lot of interest in my brother and I in our program and was like really interested in wanting to help. And so he jumped on board and like kind of was like, Hey, you guys are doing this completely wrong. Let me help you like get your card working better. And we learned so much from him over the years and he set our cars up for years. Um, and you know, it's like, he'd do like the main big base setup and then we'd all fine tune together because, um, even from the beginning we ran coilovers and bypasses. Okay. And so, you know, set the, the, the base valve stacks and everything. And then my brother and I could fine tune the, the bypass tubes for what we liked. And then as things started progressing and Sonny's business went one way and our racing was progressing even more, our buddy Keith Marigold who worked for Swayaway at the time um, started building shocks for our trucks. And then he like would ride with me in the car and I learned so much from him on, on shock tuning and valving and all that stuff. And now it's at the point where it's, it's, it's a bummer. It's something I wish I had more time for, but you know, with the kids and with working and then prepping the car bumper to bumper and side work, I don't really have the time to handle my own shocks anymore. So right. now Keith runs his own business servicing shocks. And so he basically Keith, we always say quote unquote, Keith owns our shocks, but he's in charge, like servicing them, valving them, shimming them, taking care of everything. Um, he's like our, he's like our dude. So, and he still rides with me in the truck as a navigator. So hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. That's, but it's a thing like that's that's where races won or losses in in the in the, in the shock setup so yeah oh, i would imagine perfect sense so did you uh did you pick the truck that you have to race because you like that body style truck or did you pick that just because it was a good platform like uh you know what's the background on that uh so for me like we've always been ford guys forever you know like i bought the f100 years ago i always had rangers i've had tons of other f100s of street trucks and 
like cruisers and hot rods and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I had built this Ranger and raced that, sold it. And I was like, all right, let's, you know, it's time to start over. Let's build this new tube chassis. Let's build a real race car. And growing up, like the, 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 the most iconic desert racing truck and team of desert racing trucks was the Rough Riders, which is like Rob McCachran, like John Swift, Dave Ashley, like Dan Smith, like all these guys. And they all drove, it was in like, it was in the like early nineties. So it was like okay. that body style F-150. Yeah, like class eight trucks and trophy trucks. And then Robbie Gordon built his. And so that was when there was like a huge turning point in desert racing, you know, and they had big factory sponsors. We had like, you know, Motorcraft was sponsoring them. They had Ford backed BF Goodrich. It was like the heyday of desert racing. And everybody was racing these, you know, 95 (laughs) F-150s. And so as a kid growing up, you're like, that's the truck. Like that is the off-road. You see a stock one. You're like, oh, could you imagine that thing on like, 35s and alcoas like that's the truck right there yeah oh yeah oh so so you do that too (laughs) yeah oh yeah no i see them all the time like i still like i still if i didn't have as many kids as i had i would still be drive drive a single cab f-150 like that's the jam right right yeah but yeah when i was given the opportunity to start over i you know my brother and i had a long talk and we're like this is it dude like let's recreate these trucks from the early 90s but let's build it with modern tech and something that's like competitive nowadays, but let's make it look like, you know, the old Rough Rider trucks or the old Baldwin trucks or whoever, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so it was, it was pretty cool. And I don't know, that's just, it's, like I said, it's always been like the iconic pickup truck. It's so given the opportunity to jump right on it. That's, that, that is, uh, that's killer. I, I dig that. That's a solid setup there. So back on the suspension stuff. So your, your new tube chassis truck, it's like upper and lower control arm setup, obviously not to an I-beam anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so it's 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 an I it's an IFS or whatever you want to call it. yeah, like a right arm truck. Yeah, yeah, the okay. steering box and all. That. So, all right, did you fabricate everything from suspension from scratch, or is that like, hey, I just go out and I'm like, bring, bring, bring. I need to. I'm doing an off road truck. Just send me these parts, or how's that work? Uh, so this one, um, like we had said, we knew what we were getting into with the racing stuff, and we knew we needed a professionally built chassis. So we actually literally had it like a rolling chassis. We went, we had it like delivered to the shop basically. Okay. Um, we had our buddy John and Andy, they fabricated all the hard parts. So all the big suspension, the spindles, the chassis itself, trailing arms, the housing. And it was just like a big, like, uh, like jungle gym of tubes basically. And then uh, we tabbed it all out, mounted coolers, seats, all that stuff. Um, we have fabricated things like that in the past, but not to that extent. And we knew like in the timeline we had, you know, like I'm, you know, this was like three years ago. I was just having my daughter and I had just bought a house and I'm just like, Hey, I don't have time right. to design all this, build all this. Like we're talking, this will turn into a five year thing before we even get a chassis done. We're like, let's just, you know, like this is just a time where we need to pay somebody to do something they know how to do. And we right. know they do it well. And it's going to put us in like a good starting position to build off of. So that makes sense. Yeah. That, yeah. It makes yeah, sense. yeah. So that one, but my brother's truck, on the other hand, it's a, it's a center mount arm truck now. And that one we fabricated. We had somebody draw it all on the computer and send us all the plate work and everything, all press broken, ready to go. And then my brother and I fabricated that whole front end ourselves. So that one was a bit of a daunting task, but we did. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Uh, so kind of going over like so when you go what are the biggest pitfalls when putting these things together if you do i mean you buy a chassis uh you, you get your suspension stuff but like knowing what you know now and like 
if a guy was going this direction, we asked you, hey, you said, hey, know what you what you want to do, but pitfalls. It'd be like, hey, don't cheap out on the rear end. Don't cheap out on the tranny, obviously. But, I mean, if someone was getting into this or just say, hey, I'm going to build myself like a pre-runner truck, you know, yeah. you, just, you, know you have a, a tube chassis, you know, mm-hmm. at what point or what do you see in the future? Hey, if you're going to do this, just don't go – you know, this far back up a little bit, or, I mean, I'm sure you would know more than anyone being starting at the bottom and working your way here, the pitfalls of yeah. this sport. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing like a frame railed, like I-beam truck. They still jam, they boogie. Like most of the, our friends all still have I-beam trucks and it's so much more affordable to go that route. Um, although like nowadays, but there's a lot of guys that are drawing parts and they're offering like files, for these front ends online to where you can like buy the files from the guy and get it cut at like a laser shop or a press break shop or whatever. So it's almost a push, but I think like one of the biggest pitfalls is guys, I don't want to say cheaping out, but it's like, there's a lot of like a lot of things you need to buy right that are going to save you a lot of headaches. Like you want to buy the big rear end and the big hubs. You want to buy the big front hubs. Cause those are just things like you don't want to buy them three times. You know, you don't want to like keep upgrading cause it just causes big headaches. Like you want to, there's like a lot of things you want to buy right and new and big. And there's a lot of stuff you can like, not, I don't want to say cheap out on, but you can go a little bit more budget on. Like you don't need a big custom 90 gallon fuel cell. You can go buy a nice like pyrotech, like pre-built cell or a fuel safe cell. You can buy it like a junkyard engine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a junkyard engine. Um, you can still, you can go buy like a motor, like an RV turbo 400, like a HD case one and okay. just have like a nice internals put together on it. You can definitely do a lot of it and you can do it all yourself other than like transmissions, unless you're wild. I don't touch transmissions. That's yeah. yeah. I hope you're taking notes here, John. You're, yeah. you're writing all this down, what we have uh, to do. I'm recording all of it. We're, recording <laughs> We're going to go this. back over this. Yeah. We're going back over this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like you can buy used shocks. Like shocks are just hydraulic cylinders that are rebuildable. A lot of guys get hung up on needing to buy all fancy new shocks, but go, you know, search. Like there's great websites like Race Desert and all this stuff where they have like good classified sections. Okay. Just go buy parts and rebuild them. And that's a lot of this stuff's rebuildable. So, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with buying used knickknacks and all that. Um, I know it's two times a year. There's like the Kurt Leduc swap meet, um, which is like, I don't know where it's like high desert area. Usually like Palm Springs is where they have it. And uh, there's all the trophy truck teams go and just dump all these parts that are just timed out on mileage. Right. And that's a great place to like go buy that stuff to get your, get, get the ball rolling, you know, and you can buy big parts that are going to last you forever as a pre-runner. But, hmm. um, but yeah, I guess biggest pitfall is like getting hung up on feeling like you need like the big and bad and the best of everything. There are some things where yes, it pays off, but there's a lot of like, dude, you get total get away totally fine. Just using used parts. So. Very cool. And so with your truck, would you ever do something like the Baja 500 or the Baja 1000? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's definitely on our list of wants. It's just going south of the border just kind of takes things to the next level. Uh You got to have a lot more chase and a lot more like just stuff to make it happen. And then, you know, for us, we're not very like, I don't know, seasoned in going to Mexico at all. Like we, we've, uh, we've all been down there a couple of times just for like picking up parts or what have you. We've never even done a Mexico race with anybody before. And it's just kind of, it's just a, it's just a big overtaking to do something like that. And we, and, and like I always tell everybody, cause a lot of guys I work with, like I work down by the border. So all the guys I work with live down South and they're like, Oh, come on, let's go racing. Like, what are you doing? What are you scared? And it's like, no, it's not that I'm scared. I've just, 
there's a lot of stuff still stateside that I uh-huh. haven't like accomplished yet that I want to do. And so as soon as I run out of these things to do, then yeah, maybe my next. Oh no, really? Now, like, I... <laughs> the internet's failing us. Sorry, everyone. We're getting there. It's it's working. It's trying. The the problems of the internet. There we go. Are yeah, you, there you go. We're there back. There we go. We're back on. We're back on. We're here. Uh, so you're talking about uh, obviously the you know the the desert scene there for a minute. So what is that? I mean, you're down in San Diego. Is most? I mean, you had mentioned to me on the phone that a lot of the races you do, um, you're not so much near home. You're traveling for these races, right? You because things have kind of moved away from California. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So they're really there's like one sanctioning body that still runs California races and that's more, which is like okay. Mojave off-road enthusiasts. And they do all the races in Barstow and Lucerne. Um, but other than that, literally everything is in Arizona and Nevada. Wow. So for us, we do a lot of traveling, um, the best in the desert races. Oh, well, no, I take that back. We did King of the Hammers at the beginning of the year and okay. that was in Johnson Valley. So we did that, but, um, but yeah, everything else this year will be in Nevada, which, I don't know. It's, it's, we couldn't be further away, I guess. And it's kind right. of a bummer, but you know, it is what it is. It's just the sport we chose, unfortunately. So, uh, before I forget, are we going to see you in August at our truck show with you and some friends? Dude, I wish, I really wish it's the same weekend as Vegas Serena, which is our next big race. Oh, Super. really? Yeah. yeah. I looked at it cause it's like August 13th or something like that. Right. Or 14th. Oh yeah. You got you. Vegas yeah. 14th. 14th. Yes. Damn it. I was hoping to see you guys there. No, I will literally be in Reno. I know uh, my buddy Michael Cox with the Bronco. Yeah, I know he's kind of geeked. He was geeked up about it, and he's got a lot of buddies with OBSs. So I know he's he's thinking about it. But unfortunately, okay. my brother and I will be will be sleeping in that Saturday up there in Reno after 550 miles in the dirt. So understandable, understandable. Um, well, I mean, our internet's getting sketchy here, so I don't want to keep you on too long with the pause. Yeah. Give, give me your questions for him. I mean, I could ask you questions all day long. <laughs> I, I'm just, yeah, it's it's really great to to meet you, and uh, you know, I would love to talk more about. It. I love your truck. It is, Hell yeah. and like just watching the things that you're doing with that is super rad. I've never gotten the experience to get into really any sort of uh v, you know like racing or mm-hmm. motorsports in that sense uh and it's yeah. something i've always wanted to do and just being able to talk to somebody about that's really neat um and i really appreciate your time dude absolutely yeah and like i said if like if our paths ever cross or if you guys are ever down this way feel free yeah. to holler like our shop's always open we're there like i said every minute of every day just about um you guys are always welcome to swing by and uh I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll time something up. I'll let you guys know when we're going testing or what have you guys can cruise on out and check the trucks out. Dude, that would be, we would actually make, we'd hop on a plane for that. I'd hop on a plane. If you yeah. said, Hey, we're going to do like a, a weekend of testing. John and I would probably yeah. hop on a plane and, uh, and go for a ride. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll definitely, I'll keep you in the loop and all that. It's definitely, you know, like I said, the, the, the more people I can introduce to this stuff and kind of show them, it's just better for everything. You know, it's just, it's just getting more people interested in really rad stuff. So I'm definitely totally. down to do that. And before we let you go, I didn't realize like it was like Heatwave. I saw your spot. How long have you been sponsored by Heatwave then? Dude, so since the beginning of Heatwave, actually. So really? I, I, 
yeah, without dragging this on for way too long. Uh, I guess it was like 2012, I think, or okay. something like that. Maybe 12 or 13. Anyways, we met Justin and Doug, the owners of Heatwave, which was at the time the company was called Party Shades. Okay. And we met these dudes, Ismo, right, for the Huck Fest. And we're like, oh, these guys, these guys are cool. Like, these guys party hard. Like, we want to hang out with these guys, right? Yeah. And so we just hung out. We, you know, did what we did up there that weekend. And then uh, from then on, we were just, like, attached at the hip. You know, they live, they live in San Jose, so they're really far. We just were you know, through the internet and social media and everything, right. we've always been connected real well. And, uh, you know, we helped them push party shades and all that. We all worked together. And then I think it was 2014 at the mid 400, they, they did a big name change to heat wave visual and they debuted the whole line and everything right there. Tech and contingency at the mint. And we were there for that. And it's like, it's just the, the like the brand themselves. It's such like a rad group of dudes that are just so focused on motorsports. It's just impossible not to support them or be a part or want to be a part of that because it's just great positive attitudes to just progress off-road racing, road racing, drifting, motorcycles, mm. everything, all the cool stuff we're into. That's what they're into. There's like, Oh, here, by the way, here's some sunglasses too. So, uh, <laughs> well, you could tell them, like, you could tell them it was your truck that, I, that I'm like, Oh, heat wave. What the hell is that? And uh, I yeah. think you're in a video that was out not too long ago that was rad and uh, had like an off-road buggy and stuff. I'm like, dude, that's a rad video. I'm like, what's this heat wave thing? You know? And yeah. so I'm like, checked it out. And I'm like, oh shit, I told my wife, I got to buy some sunglasses from these from this heat wave place. Oh, yeah. you, you're trying, you tell them your sponsorship's working on uh, at least what we're seeing. So, uh, yeah. There's the ROI, dude. There's the return on investment. There right you go. There. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. well, uh, but yeah, no. That's cool. awesome. Well, Nick, we'll let you go being on a Sunday and all. Um, thanks so much for your time. Look forward to talking to you. Maybe do it. we'll do another one of these with better internet and uh, after a couple of races and get back to you and figure out, like, I'd love to pick your brain on how that race goes, what your strategy is, yeah. you know, and go from there. Yeah, yeah, let's plan to talk. We can. You guys can tell me all about the truck show, and I'll tell you guys about the race. We'll talk end of August or something like that. All right, man. You, uh, you and your brother have a good one. It was awesome meeting you talking with you yeah so yeah. thanks so much thank you all right dudes cool talk to you guys soon all right all right well guys really hope you enjoyed that interview with nick um what a rad dude for um, sure i i thoroughly enjoyed it. i didn't get i felt like i i didn't talk very much <laughs> and i i wanted to it's just it zoom is so difficult you know because you start talking there's like that lag time with the internet but well, we had so many questions for him, but we couldn't, the internet was scary. Like it would start pausing on us. I'm like, oh shit. Like, yeah. I, like don't move. Don't make the thing, like make any like Southern jerkies. Like, is that what's causing it to freeze up or like turn your phones off? Like I just, it wasn't consistent enough to ask all the questions we had for him. So uh, again, I, we really appreciate him giving us the time on a Sunday to dedicate you know, an hour or so of, you know, bullshitting with us and working through our glitches here with Skype and whatever. So, yeah. And, uh, and just hearing how busy he is, it, it, it's really neat that he's doing, you know, he works in the off-road industry. He also, you know, aside from his racing in the off-road industry. And so it's like gets up, works, then gets off work, hangs out with his kids like a good family man. Right. And then kids go to bed, goes to the shop, works, gets up in the morning, does it all over again. What do you say? He works till one in the morning, him and his brother. They work till one in the morning and then gets up at like six. Six. And then goes to work and then does it all over again. That's gnarly. Yeah. 
I, and <laughs> it's 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 really cool. It's uh, it it seems like it's a really great community that they've got. You know the the just that whole off road scene and community. It doesn't seem like we have a whole lot of that up in our area. I think there's uh, there's some of those desert trucks and that that world. I, I just I don't know. We're so we're so foreign from it. We're so far away from it, but but not right. I mean, it's not that far away when you think of it. Yeah, it's like a day drive. Yeah, it's not like having to go back south the south to see like Mad Ram stuff or you know like gnarly you know uh, those buggies and stuff. I think uh, that desert stuff looks so rad. The dust factor though. I I when we hadn't put that on the interview we had talked about all the dust and just the cleaning and stuff and uh he was telling john and i that, that that's like almost the the most time consuming thing when getting a truck ready was just cleaning it like before and after and just the amount of work it takes just for that regardless of the mechanical part of it yeah like the biggest time hog and prep and 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 finishing is cleaning all the the dirt out of the truck which uh you know it you got to do it yeah i i i'm hoping uh i hope we can take a drive there when he starts doing his testing again maybe you and i can go for a ride kind yeah. of figure that out well like john said we'd like to do another interview with him maybe after a couple of races after uh the truck show even um in august he said he'd be uh had a couple of races under his belt then and we can talk to him about that yeah, look forward to another interview with that. And maybe a couple other guys that we've uh, talked to on social media, desert guys down there, um, Bronco guys, um, also F100 guys. I know uh, Christian Wing might be someone we could talk to. He looks like a little bit smaller class. I'm not 100% sure, but another killer F150 long this is travel. An extended cab, right? Yeah, it is. That's right. It's And it looks... I think they look kind of cooler with an extended cab. You I know? do too. And he also had that brick nose uh, that he da- he made as a daily driver that was pretty pretty killer because he did didn't he coil overs on factory beams. Yeah, two wheel drive yep. and uh, you know made some links and coil overs. It, it looks killer. <laughs> it looks freaking awesome. It looks awesome. So we look forward to hearing some more about the. From those guys down south, and maybe we can maybe we can pick up some people like over in uh, the southern states that have maybe stuff that's just wildly lifted on gnarly stuff. Because we like we we've told people before, we're not really you know um, particular just one style. We're, we're we love all the all the aspects of these trucks um, when it comes to if they're a SEMA truck, a, a work truck, a show truck, or what, whatever, or a desert racer. You know, I've often thought there's so much in the realm of uh, what people are doing with these things that we don't see or we don't know about. And you you can look on, on social media and you kind of get an idea, but until you talk to an individual like Nick and you find out that, hey, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what's the, you know, it's like, oh, we, you know, suspension, just we just get some used ones and rebuild it, or you are always cycling through new stuff, or, you know, these are, I love conversations about this because, you may not know, you know, in everything in life. If you don't ask questions, you only assume. Yeah, makes an ass out of you and me. That's right, you know. Um, I know John had a ton more questions for him. I, I, <laughs> could, I could see it, so. Oh, it's it was good, though. It was all good. Um, and, yeah, it's just fun to, to learn more about, you know, different different cultures, different aspects of the, of the OBS truck community and the off-road community and just there's – there's so many, it, it's just crazy kind of how 
how many different, um, you know, niche groups uh -huh. of people there are that are into these things. And it's been a lot of fun. Well, we hope that you guys, like you said, like we said, enjoyed this one. Um, and I, like, again, John, and I apologize for the, the blippiness of the Skype calls because we, we kind of wanted, we'd love to have, you know, in guest student, you know, guests come here. Um, I know we had Eric a couple, couple times, Kenny a couple times. We got some more people lined up to, to show up, but some people we want to talk to are so far away. This is easy way to do it. So we'll get it kind of figured out a little better for you guys in the next interviews that we do over, uh, the internet and, uh, won't be so choppy. So I apologize again on that. I don't know, John, you have anything else? Are we talking about anything else today? Uh, I think the only other thing would be to, uh, you know, send us your feedback yes. if you can on Apple podcasts, leave us a review, uh, and a five star rating would be rad. And we're getting the Instagram page set up. It might be set up by the time this, uh, oh, airs. Right. So it's a great place to, you know, tell us, what you like, what you don't like, and also, you know, give us ideas of topics that you want us to cover. Or if you have questions, we would love to do an episode of like, kind of, hey, so-and-so's got this question, um, let's let's go over it. Let's give them the best answer we can. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, we wanna talk about what you wanna hear, so help give us some feedback. Yep, and like, like John said, give us some info if, if we if, I, if someone asks a question and we don't know it because we're not experts of i mean we don't want to claim to be an expert of anything one thing we'll find out we'll actually do some research talk to some other people that we know in the industry um motor stuff tranny stuff rearing stuff whatever if we hadn't experienced it or hadn't messed with it uh dude we totally just call some friends and say hey this guy's asking a problem this is what's going on what can we tell him totally so, yep well on that note john always a pleasure to be here Definitely. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh, this is the OBS Truckery Podcast. You know, we like cool shit. Hope you guys do too. And yeah, have a good one. Thanks for following along, everyone. Bye.